thankfully, I didn't plan on preaching a long sermon today. So I'm going to take my sermon, sermonettes, and make them even shorter. Because, for those of you who don't already know, I was sick last week and I strained my vocal cords. Which is why I kind of sound like Adele right now. <laughs> but that is the tenderness, is it not? That Jesus wants to make us feel his love. That Jesus would do anything it took. And that is the Jesus that we get to look to and say, how do we do this life? And that's what we've been doing the past few weeks is looking to scripture and saying, how do we do this life? How do we do it well? If Jesus was the perfect human, that means that the way Jesus lived is a pretty good example for us if we want to live a full life. And we've been talking about flourishing. Flourishing is this idea that we can live fully, that we can grow vigorously, as people, as humans, as image bearers. You are an image bearer of God. The creator of this universe put his image in you. Every single one of you. That's why I think when I hear Margarita shared that song with us and I heard it and listened to it for the first time and even this time I was moved to tears. Just think about this. Even if we haven't made our mind up, like the song says, I know you haven't made your mind up yet, but I will never do you wrong. And I've known it from the moment that we met. No doubt in my mind where you belong. We belong to Christ. And that's how we flourish, is we do life with Christ, like Christ, in Christ. And that tender love there's nothing that he wouldn't do. And we see that. When we first started talking about flourishing, um, we looked at Mark 6, verses 30 to 34. The disciples were talking to Jesus about all the things they'd done, and Jesus said, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus knew they hadn't eaten, knew they were exhausted, was probably excited about what they were telling him. But that tender love said, I know that you need something right now. So, shalom, we've been talking about this concept of shalom. I think I still, yeah, I did. Okay. Um, I showed you this last week. Shalom is the word in the Bible that we often translate peace. And that is a good translation, probably the best translation that we have in English. But it's not a full translation. Because the word shalom in Hebrew means peace and a fullness and a depth that we cannot fully imagine or experience right now. It means that the peace that is shalom means that all of creation is experiencing healing, is healed. So shalom is a hope for us. It's something that we get a little taste of right now, but that we look forward to when God restores all of creation. 
At its heart, the biblical concept of shalom is about God's vision for the emphatic goodness of all relationships. There's an interconnectedness in our lives. And we have to acknowledge that if we want to experience the fullness of peace and goodness and joy, restoration, we have to understand that if you are not well, I cannot be fully well. No matter what. Even if it's people that we don't know, if they are hurting, we cannot be fully well. That's the fullness of Shalom. And we talked about how Shalom implies that because the care for me impacts the care for you, that means it matters how I'm doing. And so I need to care for myself. And I think it's two slides, because the next one's a little. Can you skip the other slide? Yep, next one. We talked about shalom self-care. That self-care and self-indulgence are not the same thing. That buying myself something new when I am exhausted is not bad, but that does not fill me. So when we talk about self-care, the self-care that we get to participate in because we are created in God's image, because we serve a Jesus who cared for himself, who stepped away, did what he needed to do to be filled so that he could have compassion on people. I put forward that it includes these four things. Self-awareness. If we're taking care of ourselves the way that Jesus took care of himself, we're learning about who we are. We're becoming more of who we are. If, if you are attempting self-care and you are binge-watching Netflix, that's not bad. And sometimes I think it is helpful. <laughs> but if you're trying to say that that's the fullness of self-care, where's the self-awareness in that? Self-care that renews us, makes us understand more who we are. There's a time and a place for escaping. Don't get me wrong. And I've been there. <laughs> and I am there sometimes. But self-care, there needs to be a self-awareness involved and a growth of self-awareness. Who am I? What do I need? What are my needs? I tried this thing for self-care and I don't like it. Cool, you grew in self-awareness. It also includes Sabbath rest. Over and over, we've been in the book of Mark, over and over, Jesus was alone to pray. The first chapter, Jesus was alone to pray. In our verses, Jesus says, come to me, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest, real rest, Sabbath rest. In the passages where the uh, disciples and Jesus were caught in a storm, Jesus was sleeping in the boat. Because he needed to sleep, needed rest. There is a need for Sabbath in our lives. Intentional Sabbath. When God was creating, he created for six days the world, the earth, the creation. And the seventh day, God rested. And if God rested, how much more do we need to rest? I should have rested my vocal cords. <laughs> well, I was sick, but I didn't. I did not 
invest in the rest that I needed. So Sabbath rest needs to be part of our self-care. And sometimes we try to do alone time, but we don't really invite God into that space. And I would encourage you, as you're practicing these things, to invite God into that space. It's not easy. It takes practice to be alone with God. True story, I'm not very good at it yet. I've been really convicted about that lately. I need to practice. Because my mind goes all different places. And I think about what I need to do for the next day and why I didn't say that thing that I was supposed to tell the person or why did I forget this or you know what's coming next and it takes practice to slow down and to just be in God's presence and then being helped needs to be part of our self care you are caring for yourself and you allow other people to help you the disciples asked for help in the storm they knew they couldn't do it on their own Jesus sent the disciples out to spread the gospel. And I do believe that there is some um, commission involved in that, that that is something that we're called to do simply because of the gospel. But I also think that Jesus knew it wasn't a one-man job, even for the Son of God who was fully divine and fully human. Help was needed. So he invited his disciples into that. We get to be invited into other people's lives to allow people to help us. Practicing yes to the help. Even it was, it was just, it was the Sunday after I preached this sermon, and we were downstairs, and I was doing, I was getting stuff ready, I think it was for the meeting we were having, and Mary goes, can I help? And I was like, no, I've got it, I'm gonna. <laughs> and she just, she just looked at me, and she was like, <laughs> receiving help? And I was like, oh yeah. We need some water in the pictures. <laughs> it's so part of us to say, no, I got it. No, I can do it. I'm fine. Maybe it's because we don't actually want to talk about how we're doing. And that's fair. But that's also a boundary you can set. You can say, yes, I will take your help. No, I don't want to talk about this with you right now. Boundaries are an important part of self-care. In so many ways, too many ways for one for one sitting. But boundaries help us to commit to keeping our self-care time sacred. If nothing else, hear that. Set some boundaries around your self-care time. You are an image bearer of God. How you are doing matters. So keep that time where you are being fulfilled. Keep it sacred. Set it aside. Put it in your calendar. Tell people no. Say, I'm really sorry and this is awkward because I'm not used to saying no about my alone time, but I'm trying. So can we do that a different day? Chances are the person who loves you and wants to spend time with you is going to say, wow, good job. Because they know how hard you work all the rest of the time. And if they don't, at least they hear you say, that this matters. <clears throat> Jesus showed us that this matters. You matter. Jesus loves you with a tenderness that we cannot fully understand. That's why we get to care for ourselves. The other reason we get to care for ourselves is because we need to care for other people 
And we cannot care for other people if we are completely empty. I think that one of my favorite ways to be filled is to hear how other people are being filled. And I've been reminded of that a lot this week by other people who feel similarly and who have said, we want to know. We want to know how God is meeting people. We want to know how God is filling people. Give us a chance. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't know it all. I don't know how to always do church the right way for everyone. But today we're going to do something different. Thankfully, I had not prepared a super long sermon that I was going to have to try and teach. But I, I want us to have an opportunity to share with each other about what God is doing. And it might be different for each person. It might have been something you saw or something someone said or a song that you heard that moved you. But we're going to take a few minutes, and I think Margarita has the mic. If you hate microphones and want to yell, by all means, it's up to you. But if there's something on your heart, a way that God met you this week, a way that God reminded you that you're an image bearer, something that you saw, I think growing up called them God moments, feel free to share it with your family here this morning. So we're going to take a few minutes. Uh, share if you'd like to. There's no pressure. Um, but, but let's receive joy from each other today. Amen? This is why it's such a great idea to share with each other is because we get to be encouraged by the things that we may not have seen or experienced firsthand. And I think that that idea of shalom, that my well-being is dependent on your well-being, means that I need to know about your well-being. How are you doing? What's been going on with you? And I think it also means that just because we're not doing life in this proximity with certain people doesn't mean that we shouldn't hear and know and learn about what people are experiencing and facing, the good and the bad. Mike, I loved your story. That was powerful, and it was so um, appropriate for what we talked about last week, that uh, self-care self is important because we are important and because we do life with other people, but we also need to do life with other people. And, and serving on a rainy day, having to be in the rain, and letting that not deter you, that is practicing shalom. That is saying that just because it's raining doesn't mean you need something less. Just because I might get drenched helping you doesn't mean you need my help less. And doesn't mean that I might need you in that moment. Doing life with people. So last week, um, we focused on the, on the verses in Mark where Jesus says, this is Jesus speaking, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul. 
Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And we talked about how self-denial does not mean I am not worth self-care. Self-denial means denial of our desire, our propensity, um, our the way that we lean into self-preservation. That's what we are denying. We are denying that draw that we feel toward keeping ourselves safe at the cost of other people. Canning, like Nancy mentioned, mentioned this last week, is an awesome way to preserve something. Preserving is not bad. But in order for that thing to be useful, in order for me to enjoy the zucchini relish that my grandma gave me, I have to open it up and it can no longer be in that preserved state. We cannot live lives of self-preservation if we are trying to live like Jesus. We cannot. The Gospels are full of stories where Jesus stepped out and said, your well-being matters to me. So let's do something about that. I want to do life with you, even though it's not as comfortable as the ideal. And I don't want to do life without you. So let's do this. We are called to live vulnerably. To be vulnerable. We serve a vulnerable God, the most vulnerable. Offered his life his physical existence for us. That is vulnerability. That is a denial of self-preservation. Especially when you have the power to quite literally preserve yourself in that situation. Because fully God definitely could have done something. But he chose to live a life that was not focused on self-preservation. And there are so many things in this world that feel like too much. That feel like that's elsewhere. That's not here. That's not my life. Where I'm not like that. I don't do that. But the reality is, is that when we talk about shalom, we can't pretend that other people's hurt is not there. We cannot hear stories, people sharing about their experiences, their oppression, their pain, and not believe them. We have to believe them. I mentioned this also last week, but a couple weeks ago, um, we ex- our, as a country, we experienced another death of a black man. And I don't even know where to start because it seems like it's never ending. Um, but my words, I feel like, I don't need to re-say something if I know someone else has said it, and so I'm going to share with you a clip of a sermon from um, the pastor of Wilshire Baptist Church in Dallas. It was his community where this man was killed, and he has something to say about what it means to live like Christ in this generation and to take the risks that Jesus took. So it's about five minutes, and we're going to watch it together.
in Dallas. The fatal shooting of a young and impressive professional man named Botham Jean by an off-duty police officer, Amber Geiger, is a tragedy that has rocked the soul of this city. The permutations of this crime are many. We have a police officer that served a 15-hour shift before coming home, no doubt overstressed, her judgment impaired. This police officer shot an unarmed citizen in his own home. The victim was black, the officer white, even if race didn't factor into the event initially. Nonetheless, the preferential treatment of the officer by the criminal justice system reminds us that justice in this city, in this country, is still not colorblind. Whether you are white or black or brown or blue, And then the smear campaign of the dead man's character started immediately after his funeral, which is a long and nasty practice used against people of color to gain sympathy for the defendant. Lord, have mercy. I sat for three hours Thursday in Botham's funeral service, thinking how touched I was by the faith of this man and of his family and of his church community. And also thinking, I don't want to have to attend one more of these funerals ever again in my entire life. And then Friday morning, I sat in a room with about a dozen to 15 Dallas pastors, including colleagues like Jeff Warren at Park City Baptist and Todd Wagner at Watermark and uh, black coaches like Brian Carter of Concord Baptist and T.D. Jakes of the Potter's House. Quite a room. We were there to talk with the district attorney, Faith Johnson. You hear how she was handling things from here, given the pain and anger that has the African-American community boiling over an outrage right now. After the DA left the room, things got ominous. One black pastor thanked the white pastors for being there but expressed frustration with what he called the way white churches have privatized the gospel so much so that it keeps our congregations from understanding that the call for justice is not optional for Christians. And he wondered why we don't speak out more. We leave it to them. They're on their own. Bishop Jakes talked about how hard it is convincing the black youths in his church to stay with the Christian way of following a nonviolent Jesus when they're hearing lots of things from other people who say, that's not getting us anywhere. And a culture that's dominated by white preaching that is continually defending policies that are rooted in white supremacy and racism. He says, I believe you care because you're in this room, but we need to know more than where your heart is. We need to hear you say clearly in your pulpits and in the streets that white supremacy and racism is wrong, and no more generalizations. 
I know it will cost you something to do so. But isn't that what Jesus calls us all to do? To deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him? It is. And not just preachers. What is God calling you to risk of your own life in your own relationships for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How will you deny yourself in order to take up that cross and follow him? If we want to call ourselves by the name of Jesus, we have to stop defending things Jesus would condemn. And we have to start loving people like he did. It may cost us friends. It may even cost us our life. But after three days, give or take, there's always a rising with Christ. Amen. I think self-preservation looks different for every person. But I want to challenge us. If you hear somebody say in probably different words. I am not flourishing. This is not flourishing what I am experiencing. Listen. Mm -hmm. Believe them. Because otherwise, how do we live shalom? How do we live in a world where we are not able to flourish if someone else isn't. If we are telling people, actually, it's your fault you're not flourishing. Actually, you could if you wanted to. Listen and hear. Believe what people are saying. And find out. Find out where flourishing doesn't seem to be happening. And then figure out what you can do. That's what we're doing here in this neighborhood. We want to know where people feel like they're not flourishing. And how can we step into that space and do life with you? Flourishing is something that we get to do because we are image bearers. And flourishing is something that other people get to do because they are image bearers just as much as we are. God's image does not look like one person. It can't. At least I hope it doesn't. Because all but one of us would be in trouble. We get to do life with other people and that is when flourishing begins. So, because it's true that there are many who are not flourishing right now, 
And we are here in this space together in the name of Jesus and with the power of the Holy Spirit. We are going to pray. Jesus pray, we pray. And Jesus promised the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we are going to take some time to pray um, either aloud or silently. When there is a, when we're praying together and there is a silent space, um, that's not dead air. That's just us each praying our own prayers. Um, so my invitation is that if you are moved to pray something, that you share it, that you let us pray along with you. Lift that prayer up with you. If you're not comfortable, um, just keep praying as the time goes on. Um, but let's do that. Let's enter God's presence in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit um, for all that's going on around us that doesn't reflect God's shalom. All right, let's pray. I'll open um, and I'll close. I'm so thankful that we prayed over creation as well because that's another piece of the flourishing. Um, flourishing is about me and it is about you and it is about this world, this earth. Genesis 1 verse 26 Then God said let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon them. When God created humans, there was no you're better. There was no you're the only thing that matters. There was let's give them dominion. And dominion, to have dominion is different than to dominate. The word dominion, when it's used in the Bible, um, is reminiscent of a good ruler. An honorable ruler who takes care of their kingdom, who cares for everything that is under their hands. And that's the dominion that we have in the earth. We are supposed to steward creation and care for creation because that flourishing is not just for us. It can't be just for us. Shalom is wholeness of all creation. Every bit of creation that God called good. And we are not the only thing that God called good. Obviously, to talk about flourishing could go on for weeks and weeks and months and years probably. But here we are. Remember to take care of yourself. Grow in self-awareness. Cherish your Sabbath rest. Let yourself be helped by others and set your boundaries so that you have what it takes to deny the temptation to self-preserve. Do not live a life of self-preservation. Invest in the people around you. Listen to people's stories. Believe people when they tell you that they're hurting they need shalom. 
And the earth is crying out to us. It needs you alone, too. There's no way to reverse, but we can make choices that speak aloud our care and our love for what God created. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me one more time before we sing together? God, your shalom is more than we will completely understand right now. But we long for it. We long to know what it means to be well. For our brothers and our sisters to be well. For this earth to be well. Lord, always keep our hearts open to that. To learning what that means. To pursuing that in our own lives. To opening our hearts. To what we're being told. Lord, would you continue to fill us with the rest of the time that we have together this morning so that we can go out from here. So that we can know better, just a little bit better how to care for ourselves, how to do life with the people around us, how to love every bit of your creation. Know less than we know you love us. In the powerful name of Jesus, in the tender name of Jesus.